Welcome to the Lions and Luft podcast series on the Swiss corporate law reform. After being in the making for almost 20 years, this reform touches a wide area of topics, ranging from gender equality to more flexible capital structures. My name is Gilles, and I'm an associate in the Swiss corporate and M&A team of Lions and Luft. Together with my colleagues, I will guide you through the most compelling upcoming amendments. This podcast series is divided into five short episodes. Each episode introduces a main topic and elaborates on its main pitfalls, challenges and implications. Each podcast is straight to the point. We aim to focus only on those topics that are the most relevant for you. Whether you want to learn about electronic resolutions and virtual meetings, duties of the board of directors, corporate governance for listed entities, changes related to share capital or shareholders' activism, this is the podcast for you. Let's embark on this journey together. Today, we are talking about selected key legal aspects of the Swiss corporate law reform affecting companies with participation listed on a stock exchange in Switzerland. Valerie, a member of our Swiss corporate and M&A team who is focusing on capital market transactions and Lorenzo, a junior associate of our team, are joining for today's podcast. Welcome, Valerie and Lorenzo. Hi, Shiel. Thank you for having us. Thank you, Shiel. It's great to be here. Before we delve into the details, can you give us a brief overview of the topics that we will discuss today? As we are focusing on topics affecting listed entities, the first topic will concern the newly implemented gender ratios, being 30% on the level of the board of directors and 20% on the management level. As a second topic, we will discuss provisions governing executive compensation, which will be transferred from the Ordinance on Executive Compensation, which is commonly known as FEGIF, into the Swiss Code of Obligations. While there will not be many significant changes, this transfer will bring a few additional forms of compensation which will be prohibited. Finally, we will also briefly discuss some changes regarding the independent proxy advisor. In the first episode of this podcast series, we have already talked about corporate governance aspects that would be implemented by the Swiss corporate law reform. We have heard that an important consideration was to modernize certain rules. Indeed, modernization of corporate governance was also the foundation for implementing new provisions on gender ratios for Swiss listed entities. The transfer of the provisions governing executive compensation from the Ordinance on Executive Compensation into the Swiss Code of Obligations, on the other hand, will be more of a systematic change rather than related to modernization. You mentioned that the gender ratios implemented are 30% on the level of the board of directors and 20% on the level of the management. Correct. These ratios have been implemented with effect as of 1st of January 2021, ahead of most other rules of the reform. As a result, a company must ensure that each gender is represented with at least 30% in the board of directors and 20% in the management. The term gender in this regard is not limited to the female gender, but also covers the male gender. This means that the 
new legal provisions do not only promote women in executive positions, but would equally apply to men in case a board of directors or executive committee would predominantly consist of women. Doing a reality check, how does the situation look like today in terms of figures and numbers? Well, in 2020, so before the new provisions entered into force, the share of women in management positions at SMI companies was at 14%, while the share of women in the board of directors of SMI companies was at 27%. Looking at the elections at the annual general meetings of the top 10 SMI companies earlier this year, almost every company has elected at least one additional woman to their board or executive committee. Even if a direct correlation to the new provisions cannot be established, there seems to be a general positive trend in this regard. Well, that sounds great. And what are the legal consequences for companies that are not complying with these ratios? Currently, there are no legal consequences for companies not complying with these ratios. The Swiss parliament did not want to excessively interfere with the organizational freedom or the constitutional economic freedom of companies. Instead, after a transition period of five years with respect to the board of directors and 10 years for the management, the companies will be subject to a comply or explain obligation. This means that as of 2026 and 2031 respectively, the companies not complying with these ratios will have to explain in the compensation report the reasons why the genders are not represented as prescribed by the law. In addition, the company has to outline the measures implemented to promote the underrepresented gender. This comply or explain approach is intended to impose a soft instrument pressuring the companies to comply by transparency. Thank you very much, Valerie. And moving on to our next topic, Lorenzo, you also mentioned that the current ordinance on executive compensation will be transferred to the Swiss Code of Obligations. What is noteworthy in this regard? While the general approach was to avoid implementing any significant changes, there are three points that can be highlighted. First, under the existing provisions, the articles of association of a listed entity have to contain rules limiting the number of permitted activities in other companies. The definition of activities in other companies will be broadened. Currently, only activities as a board member are called by the law. Once the reform enters into force, all activities in a comparable function in a commercial company will be covered. As a result, activities as a manager will be subject to such limitations in the Articles of Association as well. Secondly, the scope of prohibited compensation forms will be extended to cover bonuses paid when joining a company, which are commonly known as golden handshakes or golden hellos, unusual compensations in relation to previous corporate activities, and compensations for non-compete obligations. And thirdly, when a company pays variable compensations and the general meeting of shareholders prospectively votes on the compensation of executive members, it will become mandatory to conduct a consultative voting on the compensation report. That sounds quite technical. Valerie, maybe can you elaborate a bit more on the additional compensation forms that will be prohibited once the new provisions enter into force? Starting with golden handshakes, currently there is no sufficient legal basis in the Swiss constitution to prohibit these bonuses, which are often paid in a one-off payment or in the form of shares in order to incentivize the acceptance of a new position. 
The Swiss legal doctrine has criticized the absence of a prohibition of such bonuses since the Ordinance on Executive Compensation contains a prohibition of severance payments in case of an exit, so-called golden parachutes, and golden handshakes are effectively the mirrored compensation form when entering a company. To remedy this situation, the new provisions will also prohibit golden handshakes as a general principle to the extent that they compensate only a theoretical damage. However, if such bonuses compensate an actual financial loss, it will still be possible to pay them. But are compensation for non-compete obligations generally prohibited or are there some kind of exceptions? For this purpose, the prohibition is formulated as a general rule with certain exceptions. This means that non-compete compensations may be paid if two requirements are met. First, the compensation has to be justified from a commercial perspective and second, it must not exceed the aggregate annual compensation calculated based on the average compensation of the three preceding years. You also mentioned that unusual compensation for previous corporate activities will be prohibited in the future. Unusual seems to be a rather vague term. Well, uh, this provision is aimed at preventing the circumvention of the prohibition of severance payments in case of an exit and the prohibition of non-compete compensations. Therefore, it was chosen to work with an undefined legal term, which should function as a catch-all provision. Okay, got it. Do any of these points need to be implemented in the company's articles of incorporation or similar company regulations? Not necessarily. As Lorenzo mentioned at the beginning, the legislator intended to avoid any significant changes since many of those listed entities already had to undergo a revision of the articles of association when the ordinance first entered into force in 2014. However, it might still be worth checking whether any provisions will be affected. For example, the cap for the non-compete compensations would need to be amended if the current cap would be higher than the average annual compensation of the three years preceding the termination of the employment agreement. And how will these additional prohibitions affect currently enforced employment agreements with executive members? Well, there will be a transitional period of two years after entering into force of the new provisions. And after this period, the new legal provisions will apply automatically and therefore invalidate provisions in currently existing employment agreements contradicting the law. So this means that corporates are well advised to revise employment agreements if required, right? Yes, agreed. And would you mind pointing out some provisions that require specific attention? Well, in general, we recommend reviewing the term of the relevant employment agreements, the restrictions on activities in other listed as well as non-listed companies and the different forms of compensations paid to executive members. When paying a bonus upon joining a new company, there should be a clear evidence on the actual financial loss being compensated. And when paying a non-compete compensation, it will be important to ensure that the cap is in line with the law. Right. Um, on a further topic, in our first podcast, we also learned that listed companies have to designate an independent proxy for exercising shareholders' voting rights at general meetings. As such, this is nothing new, but the proxy will be bound by a new confidentiality obligation, right? 
Yes, that's right. Currently, the Swiss corporate law only stipulates that the independent proxy has to exercise the votes in accordance with the instructions received. Upon the entering into force of the new provisions, the independent proxy advisor has to keep confidential all instructions received from shareholders until the general meeting. This new regulation addresses the not entirely unproblematic practice of independent proxies, which has become common in recent years. The proxies often inform the companies or the board of directors of the exact number of yes and no votes already before the general meeting. If a significant number of votes is exercised via the independent proxy, the company knows the voting results in advance. They consider this necessary to be able to prepare the meeting adequately. Opposing shareholders, on the other hand, see this as an unjustified preferential treatment of the company. As a compromise under the new regulation, the independent proxy will be allowed to provide the company with general information on the instructions received, but not earlier than three working days before the general meeting. At the general meeting, the independent proxy must then declare what information has been disclosed to the company. Okay, so that should strike a right balance uh, between the principal and the agent. And... Is there anything else that listed entities should keep in mind with regard to the designation of the independent proxy? One further point of attention to keep in mind is that the independent proxy is elected by the general meeting of shareholders for a one-year term, meaning until the next annual general meeting. The dismissal of the proxy is only permitted at the end of the general meeting. Okay, thank you very much, Valerie and Lorenzo. To sum up, what would be the main key takeaways? Well, we would generally recommend to continue the efforts to promote gender equality, of course. We would also recommend reviewing the Articles of Association and Employment Agreements as concerns executive compensation and take into consideration when preparing the annual general meetings that the independent proxies may only disclose general information shortly before the meeting. Thank you, Valerie. We have reached the end of today's podcast. Thanks to the guests for being here today. It has been great. And a big thank you as well to all our listeners. This was the fourth out of five episodes of the Loins and Louvre podcast series on the Swiss corporate law reform. We hope you enjoyed it and thank you for your interest. If you require any further information, trainings, materials, or if you have any specific question, please get in touch with us. You find our contact details and additional information on the website under loinsandloof.ch or connect with us on LinkedIn.